Happy Monday! Today I talk with Ben Edel. He ran for Tigard City Council this year and unfortunately lost. He also was the owner of three coffee shops in downtown Portland, but due to the riots and vandalism, he had to close down all three businesses. At the beginning of the interview, we are talking about his run for Tigard City Council and his video he put out in mid-November about his views toward Cape Brown's lockdown rules. Something to note, this interview was recorded on November 25th, so keep that in mind when Ben references last Thursday or the 2020 election. Enjoy! So I, I applied before I ran for um, city council in Tigard. I, I got in 45 minutes before the cutoff with my last signature, literally, um, to be able to run for office. At the same time, I opened up this cafe, um, and so I had to spend the majority of my time getting this cafe opened up because we came in here on our last leg. We lost two cafes. We borrowed $100,000 from Uncle Sam to stay in business. We lost the businesses anyways, and we still owe Uncle Sam the $100,000 because Brown has extended the lockdowns indefinitely for restaurants, particularly. Um, but um, I did do some things, and I also had to be really careful about what I said because I have a business on 32nd and Division <laughs> so, and a roastery on 21st and Powell. So like, you can't just really tell people you know, what you really think because um, they'll do what they did. And luckily, the landlords cleaned the spray paint off, but fascist owner across that window, BLM across that window. Wow. Yeah, for, for speaking out against Brown. And I wasn't being racist because I'm not racist, yeah. but I did ask, why was it that at this time you were supportive, Brown, of 10,000 people marching through the streets, which I was also supportive of because that's our fucking First Amendment right. And the left, they don't understand that when you take away First Amendment rights of someone else who's an American, you effectively take away your own First Amendment rights. Um, so you just don't want to play that game. Nobody ever does, although they're doing it now. Um, and they called me a racist. 900 people, I think, called me a racist after that when I put that video out. <laughs> racist! Did you listen? Um, or did you just look at what your friends are saying and then say the same thing? Um, so anyways, um, I, prior to that, I applied to be on the Washington County Public Safety Commission. And um, I've been going through this process up until yesterday, and I just put it on my Instagram story last night because I, I, mean, I fucking had to do it. And um, I, I finally got the decline letter from the commission because they said, and, and they were like, we, we're, you know, there's four open seats, and they were like, we are approving one person right now and then the board was like, um, it was like kind of confusing the way that that first email came through. So I just asked for a clarification. I was like, so it sounds like you still have two open positions that you're filling in December. Am I still in the running for those positions or are you declining my, are you, you know, declining my application? And her response back, which I put on, um, on Instagram was actually that your application is denied and declined because we are looking for representation of people of color to bring onto the board. And um, we don't have any applicants of color, so we're gonna go recruit some by December 15th. How is that not racist? <laughs> <laughs> right? So I was like, I, my response back, I was very professional the whole way through it, right? My response back was, ah, I'm white, I gotcha. I get it, I get it, yeah. fucked up. Um, same thing that I said earlier, right? If you take away someone else's First Amendment rights, you're taking away your own. If you're going to use racism against other people, you're, you're effectively creating and, per, and uh, perpetrating more racism 
um, it's not bringing us together to say that I'm a certain way, like I'm privileged or some shit like that because I'm a white male. Um, that doesn't, it's senseless to me. I didn't go to college. I lived on my own since I was 16 years old. I've lived on the streets. I've had all kinds of problems in my life. Um, I was relegated to having to start a business because I couldn't get a job or hold a job. So it's not because of my skin color. It's because of my attitude problem. <laughs> and then once I fixed that, I started fixing that when I was 33 years old. The next 10 years up to now, it's been different. But it has nothing to do with skin color. It has to do with my fucking attitude problem. So weird shit. Anyways, that's what I'd like to start off with. <laughs> okay, all your businesses are out of business, right? Yeah, we're done. I mean, I wouldn't go do the big no-no. And last Thursday, I did the big no-no. I called out Kate Brown for what she is and what she's doing. Um, the hypocrisy, um, the inconsistent rules that apply to some and not all. Um, the inequality by which she approaches um, her policies in, in office as, as the governor of Oregon. Um, you know, she has a $55 million fund for helping business owners, but she's saying it's only for black business owners. And she was sued um, because it's unconstitutional to do that. But what about Latino business owners? What about Asian business owners? What about white business owners, right? You know, it, it's crazy. You can't say you can have a tattoo and sit there for four hours because I've got tattoos. Um, I know how long it takes, especially when you're a guy like me that can't sit very still for very long. You gotta get up and move around. My tattoos take twice as long. But you're right within a six foot distance. You're literally touching each other for a number of hours, which is what transmits COVID-19. It's close contact. It's an aerosol. It's not the fucking spittles that come out of your mouth. Those are heavy. They land on the ground. It's aerosol spread just like the flu, just like the cold. So mask and all this shit, they're not really going to protect you or anyone else. Um, what protects you is if you stay the fuck home when you're sick, which I've always believed. Like when people come to work and they're like, <laughs> I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want your shit. Right. I've been that way my whole life. And like, don't be a hero. Just go home and get, get, get well. And don't share your shit. Um, it's, come on. Like, it's just it's so irritating to me. Anyway, she's singled out restaurants completely, and there's no evidence or facts to say that restaurants and coffee shops are actually transmitting COVID-19. The fact is, we're not. I mean, it's crazy. And the Restaurant Association is so fucked up because they're terrified because probably more than half of their customers that are, in, that are members, because I've talked to a bunch of them, they're, they're liberals here. And they're, they're like, they, they, they agree with this shit. I mean, when, look at Pock Pock. It's no more, it's no longer, right? But when, in March, in early March, the owner of Pock Pock's friend in New York, one of his best friends, this is super tragic. It's tragic. He's a chef in New York. He died from COVID early on, before any lockdowns happened. And this guy goes on social media and throws out this terror fear saying, people, my best friends died and people are dying. You need to close your restaurants right now. Everybody close down. And it was this crazy panic. And I was like, no, I'm not going to close down because I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is. So I'm going to stay open every day and every day I'm going to make a decision to stay open or close. And every day I didn't see any evidence to show that I should close my rest, my cafe. Um, and that's when the mob first came after me. The mob came after me in March because um, uh, Teresa Rayford, who's the write-in candidate for Portland, prior to that, asked me to help her with her campaign. And I was like, you know I'm a Republican. <laughs> but I said, sure, I'll help you. I like helping people. I don't really care. I thought she was a, a genuine good person. Um, that's changed now. I don't believe that. 
um, because I helped her with her campaign and, and, and gave her strategy and advice on how to um, position and brand it and, and work from a business owner standpoint to give her that clarity around how you communicate with business owners and, and what we're looking for in terms of being a, of a mayoral candidate. And um, she wrote in a written message to my manager at the cafe that I'm effectively killing people by not closing the restaurant, by not closing the cafe down. I'm effectively a murderer for serving coffee. No one had gotten COVID-19 to this day. None of my staff to this day have gotten COVID-19. I haven't gotten COVID-19. And I've been in a 500 square foot space with thousands of people since January 1st. Thousands. And I don't get it. Why? Because I wash my fucking hands. You wash your fucking hands. That's it. You keep airflow, keep six foot distance. You're good. Even though aerosols can travel up to 15 feet, you have to have enough virus in those aerosols to actually get you sick. And so it's just not that easy to get. But the mob came after me back in March. So I'm used to these fuckers. When I did the last video last time, I mean, they came out hard and it didn't even expected it. And when you say the mob, you mean Antifa? They are Antifa. They are BLM. You know, when, when people are calling me racist and a white privileged white man, you know, you just go look on, look, I click and look at their profiles. I mean, every single one of them was BLM or Antifa. Every single one of them. And a few of them would actually have a conversation. They'd come at you, F this, F that, you're a killer, you're a murderer, you're an idiot, you're a, you need to just, you know, whatever. And if I ask them a question back and we start talking, I'm like, wow, okay, there's a few people out there that have a mind open enough to go, I get it, right? But the mob online, the cancel mob, is the same mob out in the streets. They're the same folks, for the most part. That's the core. That's the core Biden, the core Biden voter. Mm -hmm. So why do you think Governor Brown is issuing this pause again? Is she really that dumb? Yeah, I think she's really that dumb. I'll be honest with you. I don't think she's very smart. Um, She's not very smart if what she's doing is about slowing the spread of COVID-19. Then you know for sure she's not very smart. If she's trying to accomplish a different objective or outcome, then she's very smart. So that's the pendulum. If she's trying to curb the spread of COVID-19, my wife and I went to the mall on Saturday night, Washington Square, and we were shopping around, looking around, and it was fucking packed. There's nobody at the door counting. There's no, nobody, didn't see anybody in the entire Washington Square ensuring that they were at 75% capacity. Nobody. Because they, 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 they know that, it, like, what does that even mean? What does that mean, right? Um, The place to get COVID-19 is at the mall. Not at a restaurant. At a restaurant, you can keep a distance. You're engaging with people. At the mall, you're you're bonking in, uh, you know, side to side. You're bonking in side to side with people, and it's, it's crazy. It's like going to Fred Meyer or Costco. It's packed full of people. So why not close the malls? Why not? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think by closing, closing restaurants, restaurants is a place where people go to connect. Face masks disconnect us. They hide our, our, the majority of our communication that one human has between another is through the eyes, through the mouth. I didn't realize how deaf I was until people started wearing face masks and I couldn't understand what they're saying because they're, I, I look at lips a lot, right? And so you, you sort of like, 
you, you're, you're, we're, what's happening, and what I see is happening, is a division of us. Um, if you wear a mask, you're this way. If you don't wear a mask, you're this way. If you're a racist, if you don't go along with this. These are such huge dividing concepts that all came from the top of the Democratic Party. They are, they're all coming, all that shit is coming from the top. Um, they hate Donald Trump so much that they'll look, they'll look us all in the eyes and say, what violent protests? They're peaceful. You know, it's peaceful protests. And we're going, no, it's not. My windows are getting smashed. Every single business I've had, all three cafes, they've all had their windows smashed. All of them. Or spray painted or some sort of vandalizing. Some, you know, massive, uh, everybody has. Whether they, they don't care if you're black or Asian or Latino as a business owner, they fuck up your business. So take that aside and go, they're attacking the core of the Republican Party, which is small business owners. This shit isn't about Black Lives Matter. It's so insincere. It's about attacking Republicans who own small businesses, who shut up and try to make money and, and pay their taxes and employ people and generally want kind of government out of our life, right? That's the heart of the Republican Party right there. So the BLM, which was founded by Marxists, admittedly on their own website, um, they are attacking people of freedom and call you a fascist while being a fascist. Um, it's crazy. It's everything. It's, there's so much gaslighting. Look, it was Trump economy, right? Biden came out and said it. It's Trump economy, right? All of this is about power. And to further uh, elaborate on that, Governor Brown, Democrat, Inslee, Democrat, Whatever his name is in Nevada, Silic, Solic, something like that. And then you got Gavin Newsom. All three of them, back in early summer, uh, signed a West Coast state pact in which they were going to take the lockdown measures and these tyrannical powers together as a group, as a, as a pact, of, of, as a coalition of states. Now, they did that to protect themselves by my fancy. It is by my fancy, because I'm like, why would they do that? Well, they did it to protect themselves. If the entire West Coast takes the same crazy-ass actions that Newsom and Brown and Inslee have been taking, then they're a little bit stronger and defensible, because after all, we're all doing it, right? So it really speaks to the sheep class of people that go, yeah, that's right, they're all doing it, it must be true, it must be right, right? But nothing like that has happened in the United States since the coalition of states in the Confederate states in the South leading up to the Civil War and secession. So to me, that pact is something that's not talked about enough in the media and it scares me tremendously. Because what are they going to do? Secede? And create a Marxist, socialist country right here on the West Coast? Think about that. It looks like it. So if that's their idea and that's what they want to do, then it makes total sense to continue to divide us as people and to continue to misinform as people, to use and politicize COVID-19 in order to accomplish that. It's an opportunity. And it's so crazy because, oh shit, China whoop, flipped out this you know, Frankenstein virus out of Wuhan on our election year. So it's very strange to me that this all gets used and... Um, you know, I don't know, man. I don't have any trust. I just don't. I don't trust Brown. I, I, I think she, she, they look at you and lie on a daily basis about the, the, the riots and the violence that we've had in our streets. And um, you're going, 
you know, the Proud Boys show up one time for a small meeting in, in, in Delta Park and they were, National Guard! And you're like, and then one of our, one, not to say one of our Proud Boys, because I'm not a Proud Boy, but one of the Proud Boys, one of our conservatives, uh, was standing there looking the other way and got shot in the back of the head for wearing a MAGA hat. But we're the violent ones. We're the ones you got to be careful of. It's absolute insanity. It's Orwellian and it's terrifying. So has any of the local media reached out to you to interview you about your restaurant being vandalized? Nope. The FBI's interviewed me though. Really? Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, <laughs> if you can. I sure can. We had a, 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 a cafe across the street from the police station on MLK between uh, Alberta and Killingsworth. And we reopened it with a friend of mine who we were friends for about 10 years and he carried our coffee, but he shuttered in early March just due to the uncertainty, right? We helped them reopen, spent a bunch of money, new equipment, got it all set up. And then like within a week or two, man, the, the rioters left downtown for the first time and ventured off to the police stations in the neighborhoods in Portland. And we were right across the street from the Boys and Girls Club and the Northeast Precinct. And so it could be 10 o'clock in the morning and you'd see the fucking hoopties come up on both sides of MLK, block traffic. They'd come out with all their you know, shields and garbage can lids and Molotov cocktails and they'd attack the police station and you're just like, got to shut down. And my staff would be in, you know, threat, feel threatened and afraid. And, you know, they'd vandalize our business. And my friend who's black, by the way, I don't know if I said that, but he's black. His, he, he's a real estate entrepreneur and his business is right next door and they'd tag his business and smash his windows too. They didn't care. Wow. Elevate has been a black owned cafe for a long time, years. So the FBI came and talked to you? Yeah, but then the FBI came in and wanted pictures, and we did. We took pictures of protesters. We took photos of them, and they would zoom in and try to find out who they are and interviewed us for the amount of financial damages that we lost. Uh, we also had Coffeehouse Northwest, and we had to, COVID was one thing. We, we were surviving through COVID. But when, when downtown got destroyed and the bums and transients got so out of control that no one would go down there. We were on 20th and Burnside on West, West Burnside. No one would go down there. We, we were like... We were doing four times, we were doing 400% more revenue, even though we were cut by about 75% due to COVID. We were doing 400 times more in, in revenue during just COVID alone, but then before the rioting occurred and started happening and was out of control. And uh, I, we had to just walk. Wow. It's just not a viable location. Downtown has been completely obliterated. Are the protests continuing? Not anymore. I mean, there's some protests, but um, they're very small and sporadic. They're not daily. In fact, uh, just last week, I saw um, an article in the local, uh, I think it was um, CBS or something like that or uh, whatever it is. And uh, they, did, they, had a, they had Wheeler um, quoted him as, as um, they had Wheeler quoted as saying that, the, that the, the people riding right now serve no purpose. They're just there for destruction. But I'm, I'm going, another lie. Because they were doing the same thing before. Look, the vast majority of the BLM protesters, bless their hearts, they'd go home at 8 o'clock at night, right? They'd go home and take care of their kids and get ready for work the next day. They're good Americans. Whether I agree with them or not, they're good Americans. The people that stayed after 8 o'clock, they're not. They're Marxist and, they're, and, they're, and they want equality. But what they really want is equality in, in, in every way. And that's not the American way. The American way is equal opportunity, not equal results. They want equal results. And um, that, that's a political thing for me. That's a, that's a huge political divide. I know lots of liberals. I was raised by liberals, progressive liberals. 
my parents and everybody, grandparents were school teachers, public school teachers. And they're paid by the government on PERS, and they have a certain viewpoint of the world. But they never left school. <laughs> they graduated, went back and taught. So, you know, I don't expect them to have as wide of an angle, lens angle that I do, right? And so, but I understand where they're coming from in a lot of ways. And good, open-minded liberals, they would never want to destroy the American dream. They never want to just destroy the American dream. But these people, that's exactly who they're targeting, the American dream. That's what they're targeting. So it's weird there's protests every Saturday, and now it's just stopped. Why do you think they stopped? They're not needed anymore. Biden's in. So, you know, Biden, this was all political. It's coercion in the sense that we're going to hold the people hostage, the taxpayers, the voters hostage, and, and as long as we can, so that you know that if you don't vote for Biden, this shit's going to keep getting worse. The fear that I even had, man, if Trump wins, I voted for Trump, you're goddamn right I voted for Trump. But when I was concerned, like, dude, if Trump wins, this is just never going to end. It's never going to end. And so if I get tired, and I'm tough as nails, all right, I can take a lot of shit. <laughs> I can just take a lot of shit. Um, and uh, if there's any quality I have, it's that I'm tough as nails. And even I was, was like, part of me was like, man, if just let Biden win so we can just like go on with our lives, right? And if I was thinking that, imagine how the majority of people are thinking. Even if they like, don't agree with any of this shit, just let us live. Let us live in peace. We're under siege. We've been under siege since May 27th in Portland until election day. And if anyone says that I'm wrong, I'm not wrong. If you look at the dates from May 27th, which was the first riot where they looted Pioneer Place, um, mall downtown and lit dumpsters on fire and ran through the streets of Portland all night long. It was it made me cry. I was I was devastated to see this happen to my city. I was born and raised here, inner city. I went to Benson, graduated from Grant. This is my city, um, and it's also their city too. Hopefully, I think a lot of them probably weren't from here, but they went in there and destroyed and burned our city. And from that point on, day after day, they had a full-on assault on our police and our public safety. What do small businesses depend on for, to, to generate revenue and to, and to pay employees? Public safety. They're attacking the core of the Republican Party, attacking small business owners, regardless of color. And they're attacking public safety, which also keeps small businesses able to function and operate. Without that, you can't do business. When the United States expanded into the West, and it was the frontier, People would gather in certain areas and they would realize that bandits kept coming through and stealing their shit and there, were, there was enough people where there was need to bring commerce to that area for whatever reason, gold mining or ranching or whatever it might be. And the first thing that a city would do when they formed an, an, an actual city or a municipality, they did it for the single purpose of creating a police force. Because you can't have a society without one. Think about that. All these things aim in one direction. So it's like, am I crazy? I feel crazy, but I'm like, I, these are my observations. Even Kate Brown said the kids can go back to school November 5th, back in August. And I was like, huh, 
Do you think we're that dumb? She does. Is Kate Brown smart or dumb? I don't know. It depends on what her fucking motive is. But she definitely thinks we're dumb. Definitely. But we're not. We're scared, and so we don't speak out. Because when you speak out, what happened to me last week will happen to you. Yeah, so what are you going to do now? I'm going to run for Congress in 2022. That's my current plan. Um, I can, if I stay in, in Oregon and I stay in Portland, I'm going to run against Blumenthal. That's my district. If I've also been asked by some very interesting folks from Southern California that want me to run against Adam Schiff in District 28 in Hollywood. And they believe that I could take him out and they have the money to do it. But that's in California. Right? And I love Southern California. California is a state that can go red. And in 2022, it could go red. If Newsom keeps this up, 2022, California's red. But we're going to need candidates that have charisma and smarts and energy and passion to get out there and get that Latino vote, get the black vote, which is there there are so many African-Americans in in Southern and Orange County and in Los Angeles County that are turning Republican. It's so amazing to see. it, It literally makes the like the tingles on the back of my neck just thinking about it because we're the party of anti-oppression. We always have been. We always have been. And that's the thing that we have to have people that recognize, right? We've been the party of acceptance and anti-oppression since our first president, Abe Lincoln. All right? That's powerful shit. And so we have to be able to get that message out and bring Americans together. People from all over this world come here for the American dream. All over this world. And statistically, they do far better than African Americans do, born here generation after generation after generation. So the argument that somehow they've been generationally oppressed is garbage. It doesn't stand. That argument doesn't work. And someone has to come out and say that and point it out. It just doesn't work. If If you're fucked because of the color of your skin, then how come Africans can come here and start a business and provide their children a real shot at life? Why? It's because you've bought in to the Democrat propaganda that says you're fucked because you're black. You're not fucked because you're black. You're fucked because of your attitude, <laughs> your perception, your perspective. So we gotta, that's what we've got to preach. I mean, as a party, that's what we've got to preach. What has been the reaction from your staff about the protests? <laughs> Listen, as a coffee shop owner, I employ the protesters. All right. They're the protesters. Uh, most, um, when I, yeah, they've all, we've had lots of issues with staff. I had, I had, a uh, at Elevated, we had a whole staff of people of color, except one girl. We had one white girl. We had a token white girl. And we gave, um, uh, a guy, the first time he'd ever managed a cafe, I gave him a shot to manage to be a GM and I paid him good money and he'd never had that before. He'd been in coffee and he's just never, he never had that before. And he butted heads with me about having three people on at a time uh, during COVID-19 where I was like, we need one person on at a time. Well, they can't work by themselves. It's like torture. And I'm like, then we'll find someone else. I'm, I'm trying to keep your job there, right? And I compromised with him and I said that you can have someone on and then you can be there throughout the day to support them and not make them feel lonely, but that you gotta, you gotta do this, this, and this administratively so that it, it justifies our ROI on your employment, which is my number one goal, was always to keep him employed. And 
he wouldn't do it. And then he got the entire staff to revolt and quit and do a mass resignation. And they called me racist. And, um, and uh, it was very weird. It was very weird. I even had my partner who's black and his wife talk to him. And it went on for two weeks because I was like, maybe it's a black-white thing. Why don't you guys talk to him? You know, because they're like, you can't have three people just sitting there being paid with nobody coming in, right? And there are not enough people coming in. And, uh, and it was crazy. It was, just, it was very weird. It, it, things that I, I'm not used to. And in fact, my partner at that cafe, he's black and he's older than me. He's about, I think he's 51 or 52. So him and I, like, we had no idea that, that, that the community over there would be so full of hate about him partnering with me. Neither one of us expected it. I'm from the 90s, man. Black guy and a white guy get in a fist fight, which rarely ever happened, but from time to time it, it, it would. Uh, no one would say that either one of them was racist. They'd be like, them dudes don't like each other. And then if it was a good fight, they'd probably be friends later on. <laughs> it was like, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I, like, it's just so foreign to me. I was born in 1977. I missed the entire civil rights movement. If I would have been there, I'd have been on the fucking front lines of Martin Luther King, taking fucking water hose, right? Because America wasn't America until we had King. It wasn't. So they- and Jim Crow, by the way, was a fucking Democrat. Thank you very much. So your staff revolted against you because you wouldn't employ three employees. Yeah, at a time. At a time. So um, there's this mentality, and like I said, they were the protesters. There's this mentality of people, especially young, college-educated, recent graduates, um, I employed a number of people that had college degrees uh, that were in their 20s and needed a job as a barista. Um, most of their degrees were garbage degrees. You, you, you aren't going to get a job or anything like that with, with, with you know, your liberal arts degree. Like, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but <laughs> not, I mean, some can, but, but it, it's, it, it, it's a weird deal. But they have this sense of entitlement that somehow because I own a business, I'm rich, which is not true. I'm broke. Uh, I'm totally broke. Um, I would have, in the, in the height, coming into COVID-19, I would be looking at forty dollars or $50,000 a month going through me. But there wasn't anything left for me. All right? It, it's a, <laughs> I employed 15 people, and it went to them. It went to the, the government and taxes. It went to the expenses to keep those jobs up. And I could put some payments like car payment and phone bill payment and things like that underneath it. But if it weren't for my wife having a, a regular job, there's no way I could even sustain myself at that level, right? You, but we're heading to somewhere where it could. So people don't recognize that, yes, there's a lot of money coming through, but none of it I get to keep. Holding on to, holding on to it is always a challenge. You have to make a certain amount of volume before you can even make a profit, especially in a consumer product or manufacturing business like coffee. So they don't understand. They think, no, we deserve to be paid and employed. And I was like, and, and we deserve to work. And I'm like, listen, if they, if they don't have 20 hours a week, they're going to have no hours a week. And if they have 20 hours a week, they can make a decision to find another job or they can you know, work a second job, right? And that's not my prerogative. My prerogative is making sure this business succeeds and stays afloat so that we can provide jobs at all. Otherwise, we're all shutting down if we keep going at this rate. But it didn't really matter. Um, this sense of entitlement and, and deservingness for no reason at all is so prevalent across the board uh, that it's scary. It's, it's scary. How do you know they're protesters? They told me. 
they were coming in late and not opening the cafe on time because they were out all night protesting. And I said, listen, I remember having this conversation with one of my employees. I said, listen, I am so proud of you for protesting. I mean, you have no idea. Dissent and the questioning of our leaders is the American way. I mean, it is the American way. So I am so proud of you for being out there and, and letting your voice be heard and play, playing a role in this. I set aside whether my, what my beliefs were. And back then, I, knew, I wasn't really sure what my beliefs were. I knew that I was getting calls to my staff threatening that why, I didn't put, uh, why we haven't put a BLM post up yet and that they were going to smash a brick through our window until we did, which made me go, yeah, I don't like these guys. Um, and it made me really question what they were about. But I said, you've got to come to work or switch it up call up another person and say, will you open for me? And just mix it up. But don't just fucking open the business late. I pay you to open the business on time. It's just, this isn't complicated. But they did. They were, a lot of them were protesting. Um, and then I had another guy, the manager of the other shop, who organized the big bike rally, the black, the black um, bike rally that happened. I, I, I gave him extra time to even do that and to organize that. Again, I was proud of him for doing that. I was proud to have an organizer um, on my, in my business, but I'm naive. I'm naive in the big picture because what they were attacking was me, the small business owners, right? That's what the whole movement was about. So I know that now because of the way that they treated me internally and, uh, and, and what they did ex- externally to all the other businesses in Portland that got physically attacked or attacked online. I mean, business owners... I was hearing stories about like the guy that owned um, physically attacked or attacked online. I mean, business owners, I was hearing stories about like the guy that owned, um, what's that Spanish tapas restaurant in North Portland? Incredible restaurant. Um, I live in Hillsborough. Oh, you live in Hillsborough. Okay. Yeah. It's a, um, God, I forget the name of it right now. It was so good, but he checked himself into a mental hospital. Some people are vandalizing his vans. And he got all, and they went after him online. This was early on. I watched this whole thing happen. I was like, this dude. And then he just checked himself in. He was just like, I can't even handle this. Close the businesses down. Toro Bravo. Toro Bravo. Yeah. Close it down. Went to the mental. I get it. You're sitting there going, what is going on here? It happened to me in March. When I, my, I was like, I found this Reddit that had 120 comments on it that people were talking about burning me and coming to my house and killing me and telling me to kill myself. And I was like, why? Because I didn't close my business down? I didn't have to. No, none of my staff ever got COVID. We, that, means, that means, for the science buffs out there, that we didn't spread it. Because <laughs> we never got it. So it's like, it's one of those things where you're just going, this is so la-la land, dude. Very weird stuff. But it makes sense as we continue forward toward the election. And now after the election, it makes sense. So you mentioned that you didn't really know where you stood before all this happened. Like your political views, I mean. Were you more left-leaning? And when this happened, that's what turned you off? Or? No, I'm, I'm a Republican. Like I said before, I was, I was the vice chair of the Baltimore oh, County Republicans in my 20s. Um, I, I, knew where I, I knew where I leaned. I didn't understand what was going on it took it takes time more always gets revealed when you see oh now they're doing this oh now they're doing this oh now they're doing this and then you start to get these gut instinct hunches where you're like man this isn't this is like designed this is by design we're being divided by design um 
and the media and big tech and all these things. I'm like, why does big tech give a fuck who the president is? And then it dawned on me. I was like, yeah, fucking Trump totally added tariffs to all the Chinese goods and all their equipment and, and, and computers and everything, their big fucking servers and everything they use to run their entire companies are made in China. No shit. And then the Biden's Harris left far left Democratic Party, they want to govern like China governs. They're doing it right now. And so big tech being business people, I know how business people think, they go, ha, the friend of my friend is, the, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So here they go. I mean, after all, the United States and Russia defeated Nazi Germany in World War II. And then after that, we became staunch enemies. The enemy of my, of, of my enemy is my friend until they're not. But of course, we all know at the end of the Cold War, it all culminated into the greatest, the start of the greatest um, space exploration in human history, which has been going on ever since. So boom, amazing, right? So anyway, things are never what they seem. Uh, but if you look at what happens and the results, the outcomes, and if, you, if there's connections between those outcomes and results, you can start to piece together what our leaders are up to, right? When I ran for city council, the politicians I ran against would not tell you what they were about or what they stood for. They don't want to. Their, their main goal is to make you see their name and then not tell you too much about what they're about and you vote for them because it's familiar, but you have no idea who you're getting. And so um, Biden did the same kind of thing. Kind of didn't say much. He was the other. He was not Trump, um, and skated through an entire campaign for president without saying anything that he would do. He wouldn't even admit to whether he wanted to pack the courts. Like, it's crazy. But just yesterday, I heard him say on the news, "America's back. The swamp is back." <laughs> Sorry, world. Sorry, we'll go back to paying your fucking bills again. Sorry, China. We'll get rid of all those tariffs that made our economy great, and we're going to lose another 3 million jobs, which were lost in the Obama administration because we gave them all to China. So it's just like, we're going back. But good luck, because there's 73 million Americans, if not more. <laughs> we'll find out in a few days, if not more. Um, but they don't want that. They don't want a third Obama term. And it's not because Obama's black. So how much has the vandalism cost your business? It's cost the business. It's dead. If you... The vandalism destroyed the epicenter of the Portland metro area's economy. Gone. It's over. Go down there. Board it up. It's, de it's done. It's done. Even the Apple stores, they didn't come back. So it's clean because the city has, is, is working hard to clean up after the bums, but there's graffiti everywhere and every single storefront, every single skyscraper is fenced off and boarded up. It's done. And it's not from COVID. Uh, and that took out my downtown business. And then the same thing took out the Northeast Portland location it was this race war that was started by the left, 100% started by the left, and 
the vandalism that just continued to happen, continued to happen, where people just hunker down. They hunker down. And here, we've only been vandalized once, but that was after last week's video. And they told me they were going to come vandalize it. They gave me a heads up. They're like, your window's boarded up? A friend wants to know. I was like, yeah, come on down and see for yourself. You can meet my friend Smith and my other friend Wesson. <laughs> we'll see who wins that. You, you keep your spray can handy, fucking idiots. As if that's going to change my mind. As if that's going to shut me up. They underestimate. How are you going to pay the $100,000 plus all the other costs? Well, you have to claim bankruptcy. Yeah, our business, I took this business on in 2017 and uh, uh, it was in a bankrupt state, Dovetail Coffee was. It was founded in 2008 and I rebranded it and um, redesigned the business model and um, grew the business to a point where it was break even to profitable and then we started acquiring cafes that were um, underperforming and getting them turned around, which we did with Coffee House. Coffee House was up 25 to 28% year over year the first year we got it. And we bought Coffee House Northwest for a lot of money because it's a 20 plus year iconic cafe in Portland. And um, it was going under too. And we got it and got it turned around. This spring we were gonna be cash positive and it was looking really, really good. And then, you know, all the absurdities began. Um, and so you have a situation where and this is another thing that's so crazy. Um, even our local officials blame Trump for the rioting. Remember? They're on there saying, this is Trump's fault. This is Trump's why I did my video last week. I was like, this is all Trump's fault. You know? And you're going, Trump's threatening to bring federal troops here. And I'm sitting here going, the last thing I ever want to see in American streets is federal troops. I'm a rep <laughs> Fuck no. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an anti-government person. <laughs> I'm not an Antifa. I'm anti-big government. I'm anti-government int intrusion in our lives, and federal government intrusion in our states. Um, but I was sitting here pleading for the feds to come. Come. We're, the people are under attack. And the politicians are like, go ahead. No, the cops arrested you. We'll let you out tomorrow and today even. Go back to it. The guy that shot that, uh, the, the, the Proud Boy guy, he had been arrested three times and let go. And he had illegal, uh, he was charged, he had um, illegal possession of a firearm on one of those arrests. And then he killed somebody. That's Mike Schmidt, our district attorney, who was funded by Soros. He did what they do. Get their name out with the money, don't tell you what they're about, and you vote for, based on familiarity. And voters need to wise up. We need to wise up. Yeah. That's why I respect Joanne Hardesty. Because there's no question what she's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, right? But it's true. Joanne Hardesty's of the world aren't the scary ones. The wheelers are, right? The ones that, that smile and tell you in a soft voice that they plan to fuck you over and it's going to be just fine. And lie and then go and do without the consent of the people. That scares me. That scares me. Joanne Hardesty, love it. I would love to talk with her. I'd love to sit down and just wrap it out 
for real, Joanne? You really believe this is good? Come on. I, I wouldn't be mad. I don't hate people for having a different political opinion ever. I grew up with people that have a different political opinion. Um, I value people with, I value their opinions at times. I learn far more from an opposing view than I do from someone who has, shares the same views. And the, the, the Americans are Americans. We, we, that's number one. Um, the the divide we we should never be as divided as we are right now ever. And I don't believe it's our fault. I believe it's the fault of social media inherently um, and unintended and unintentionally. And I believe it's very much the fault of our media. Our media is complicit in election interference. Complicit. Um, and I think that if. Uh, if we had more open-mindedness, I had—I was talking—I was arguing with a guy, and he said, "Two hundred thousand people die, so you're just going to do that?" Yeah, I said, "Listen, man, you and I are arguing from such a different perspective, with different values, that we're never going to see eye to eye. We're never going to agree. I will never agree that we should lose our liberties and freedoms over a fucking virus that, frankly, doesn't kill that many people. Frankly, not enough—not enough for to lose our freedom and liberty. Nope." So you and I, bud, are never going to agree that we should all lock down and throw away our livelihoods and throw away our investments and throw away everything that matters to us because of a virus, right? You and I are just never going to agree. We have to compromise. And then he goes, say what? <laughs> and I was like, yes, democracy. We have to compromise. If Brown wants to force a large percentage of the population to do something they are not willing to do and do not see the value to do it, she's asking for trouble. <laughs> yeah. And we need to give it to her. We need to give her trouble. So is that why you decided to run for city council in Tigard? Yeah, I did. I ran for city council because I was so fucking pissed. I was pissed. I had enough. And, and I grew up where in a, I, I was an athlete, um, but you know, I was the only white kid on my basketball team. Um, my, the only white kid on the football team that carried a football, I was a running back and I carried the football and my closest friends were my friends that were athletes. I, I, I was an athlete, so I hung out with my athlete buddies. And then guess what? Where I, where I was, they were all black. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll tell you, um, I know that, that the ideological diversity in the African-American community is not what the, the you, know, you know, these, these sort of progressive liberals these progressive liberal old ladies want you to believe. It's not. I had a guy today say, I dare you to go to, a, go to stand up in front of a black man and tell him you're oppressed to his face. And I said, I dare you to stop speaking for black men. That was my response. You don't know. It's not about race. It's not about that. It's not. So that's one of the biggest things we have to fight. And we need more African Americans to reach out and reach out to me so I can introduce you to my friends because they're all throughout Portland, but there's this disconnection. In California, the black community is, is generating new conservatives all the time, especially influencers on social media, and that's so important. We've got to start doing that here because that will shut those fuckers up so fast. It's so crazy, right? I'm a, I'm a freedom or death guy. Give me freedom or give me death. I don't want to live in a fucking lockdown. I'd rather have the virus. I've been shit... I joke around, like, I've been trying to get this thing since January. haven't been able to get it. I'd rather just get it, get immune, and go on. I'd rather have gotten that virus than lost my businesses. For sure. All of our investment, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Our entire life savings is wrapped up into those businesses. 
It's fucking sad. I have life savings of my friends and family wrapped up into those businesses. I'd rather have gotten COVID 10 times. Why don't I get that choice? I haven't seen my mom or my dad. I don't want to give it to them, but I don't have anything. And if I was asymptomatic, you don't even have enough viral load to even spread it. There's data and studies out there, but the left doesn't want you to see that stuff. It's weird. We're not going to convince them otherwise, so I feel like we just need to fight that sector, fight that portion of the political population, and just beat it down. <laughs> I hate to say that, but like with philosophy, beat it down. Not physically, but with philosophy. Continue to beat it down. Continue to hammer on it. Um, con- continue to deny Marxism and uh, the spirit of victim, victimization uh, to take hold in our society. And that's what got me to run for Tiger City Council. And I was well hated for a lot of things I said. And I was well loved. Don't let some liberal fucktard tell you what to think. Don't. Find out for yourself. Discover your own information. Don't be a sheep. <laughs> Don't. It's for your own kids, for, for our whole future of our country. Don't. We're in really weird times. I have a... I got sober in 2010. And uh, it changed my life. I, 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 I learned to have a relationship with a higher power and rely on that higher power and trust that higher power Doubt it over and over, of course. Make foolish decisions and good ones based on trying to figure out what that higher power really wanted. The story is very interesting. When I've been... Politics is my passion. It's my ultimate, ultimate passion. Um, It always has been. In eighth grade, I was the student body president. And when Rodney King got beat by the police, I started the first... I I, I successfully executed the first all-school walkout in Portland, Oregon. And got on all the news channels... And after that, all the other schools started to follow suit and walk out. So God gave me something, right? And in business, I've always struggled with the, the, like, the meat and potatoes of what it is to do well in business. There's a lot of task driving, a lot of like, you know, this, you do this next, you do this next, you do this next. I create really interesting brands, try to bring people in, and then I've sold them and moved on. And this environment I've really struggled this year because I'm not an operator I'm more of a vision person and a leader and so I've always struggled with like after losing my management infrastructure in March it's just been a really hard go but I was like always believed that I had to achieve some level of success in business before I could go into politics but this scenario this situation has created um uh created a situation where I I go into politics at the failure of a business, which I didn't expect. But that's where like the spiritual stuff comes in, like with God and and higher power and everything else, just to trust it and just trust it like, okay, you know, my idea was different than your idea. I'm not too concerned about the how. I'm more concerned about the what. And um, the hows are always like kind of a marvelous surprise, right? Um, And so... Thursday night, Thursday before last, uh, I had a crisis, mental crisis. It's the middle of the night. My wife's asleep. My kid's asleep. Um, 
everyone's asleep, so I can't call my sponsor, you know, any of your friends, because I'm like, I don't wanna wake them up, and I've been sober over 10 years, so I know I'll get through it without killing myself or picking up a drink, right? <laughs> like, I know that's not gonna happen, but I'm, I'm in a, a, a very deep, um, like, like um, an immense amount of pressure. And there's been so many people that have like, invested in me and, and, and because they knew I wouldn't quit and, and I knew that like dude there's no way I mean I've gone through a lot this year and there's no way this is going to work and by four in the morning I went down to the office and I did this kind of personal inventory and looked at stuff and man by the end of the by the end of that morning by four o'clock in the morning I just went okay let go why am I holding on to it why am I fighting so hard I just have to be humble and just go I don't know God take me where you want me to go man <laughs> you know, like, where do you want me to go? And then um, I felt at peace. And, um, and then the next day, I did that video. No, it was, before, it was a Thursday before that. Then the, then the next day, I got a call from some people from California that said, How much, we, we want you to go after Adam Schiff. And I was like, fuck that, that's crazy. Like, what are the odds? Like, I, I surrender here, and this happens here. And then the following week was that Thursday that I posted that video, and it went viral. And it just it was like, it wasn't even a very good video. It was my second video I've ever done. And like, I'm just like, God's weird, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird, because you couldn't, like, I could do everything right, and it just still wouldn't work. Or I could do something half-assed mediocre with inexperience, and it will work. So it's just... Fuck if I know. <laughs> so anyway, it's just a, we just have to sort of trust that like there is a movement happening and it's a good one. And uh, I think we'll ultimately be victorious in terms of balancing and bringing rationale back to our country and unity with Americans. And um, we'll end this, this racism shit. You know, we'll end it and just move on. We're too advanced. We're humans. We're too advanced for this. The skin color is the most superficial part of somebody. And we got to just, we'll, we'll end that shit. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Young Republicans of Oregon podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to. Please consider donating by visiting our website, youngrepublicansoforegon.org. The donations will pay for political trainings for our volunteers, travel expenses so we can spread our message across the U.S., and better tech equipment. Mm-hmm.